tell so you. So look up measuremyschlong.com. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's measurements there on hand. Don't look it up. <laughs> Actually, do look it up. I'm proud. <laughs> this is the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzi. And we bring you the formula to discover travel freedom. Step one, every Thursday, we'll show you how to travel the world in style, full time, for as little as $300 per person per month. Step two, every Monday, we interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income. So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. This is Travel Thursdays, episode 013. Today's feature destination is Seoul in South Korea. We speak to Juno from runawayjuno.com. She explains South Korea's unique identity and gets just a little bit excited about food. Korea has been very underrated destination for many years, and everybody want to go to China and Japan. But Korea has been like, you know, like, oh, if I've been to China and Japan, Korea is probably the same. But it is not true. Korea has a very specific personality. Korea is definitely a place you want to come and spend more than five days not doing anything but eating. We also visit one of Seoul's more unusual attractions. It's a toilet museum. The first thing you see as you walk up the path is this huge mural with these people crouching down with the bums out and some funny cartoon poos with smiley faces. Of course, yeah, because uh, why wouldn't you have cartoon poo at a toilet museum? I think you're going to have to get a bit comfortable with uh, bodily movements in order to enjoy this museum. Okay, welcome to another Thursday episode. Hello, now, hello, hello, yes, hello. hello. Normally on Thursdays we're talking about travel hacking and putting our news stories on a Monday, but this week we are actually doing some budget news on a Thursday. Budget news! Budget news! It's the budget news! Budget, budget news! Indeed. We've got big news, and this relates directly to the amount of money we're spending every month, so it's very relevant to travel hacking. The figures are in. If you were listening to earlier episodes in February, then you'd know that we were heading for the best month, the cheapest month we'd had in two years. Yeah, so, so far after the two years of travelling that we've done, our best month was house-sitting in Grenoble in France, which was August of 2014, where we spent 546 USD for two people. Yeah, which is pretty amazing anyway, being in France and doing that. This month, well, last month now, February 2015, we were aiming for our first sub-$500 month which would be fucking mental. $250 per person. Yeah, that's $9 per person per day. Insane. But we didn't manage a sub $500 month. We smashed it! Yes, we did. We got a $400 month. It's to be exact, $381 US for February 2015. Take that budget. Free yeah. yeah. That's less than $7 per person per day. And we wrote an article about doing $7 per person per day in Southeast Asia. And people are like, oh yeah, of course it's Asia, you might be able to do that, but can you do that in Europe? We uh, just rocked it in we Portugal. just did it. We just proved it. Actually, I don't think I know anyone else who's done a $7 per person per day month in Europe. No, no. If you've done it, if you know someone who has, please write into us, but I think this is a bit of a record. Definitely a record for us. Yeah, but we do know, we're pro you're probably out there going, but February is a short month, well, it doesn't count. But we sort of tallied it all up and, you know, it, it would have been a little bit over 400 but it's still $7 a, yeah. a day. If it was a 30-day month, it would have been over $400, but I did total it for, per day. 28 days, 381 bucks. that's about $7 per person per month. Just under $7, yeah. which is amazing. Some people spend more than that on coffee per day. Smoking. Or smoking. A pack of cities is way more than 7 bucks in yeah. most Western countries. Yeah, certainly is, which is just crazy. You're giving the tax man more money than we're spending per day on travelling. 
crazy. Crazy, crazy. Oh, but that said, this was an experiment. We decided that we wanted to do our cheapest month that we could ever do. And we're probably not going to do it again because, well, why would we? Yeah, we're making a lot more money online now than we were last year. So this was just like a last ditch attempt to see how damn cheap can you actually live in Europe? Of course, what does living a month in Europe this cheaply feel like? Is it even really travel anymore? Yeah, or is it or, just surviving? Yeah. So yeah, is this really travel? Or is it something a bit different for that price? Well, at the start of the month, we were staying in a private room at a hostel, and we were paying $12 a night. That's for two people. And uh, that was in Faro, just down the coast from where we are now. Yeah, it's a really cool little town that's got this awesome old city. Very, yeah. very funky place. Yeah, it's got a walled city, and we were walking around the town. We're getting lots of photos. Some of those will be on the show notes for this episode. We went out to some of the local restaurants to Such eat. Such good food. And, you know, you can get a meal there in the evening for like six euros per person, plus a little bit extra for wine. And speaking of wine, we met the Angolan diplomat in Portugal. <laughs> it was his, it was birthday. his birthday. Yeah. Him and his family were celebrating his birthday, and so he came over with a couple of pieces of his birthday cake for us, and then got the guy behind the counter to bring over some wine. He was like, "My wine, yeah, drink my wine, my wine. It's my birthday." He could barely speak English, but his five-year-old son was helping speak English for him instead. Which is <laughs> it was awesome though, really it was one cool. of those cool travel experiences. But yeah, so we were actually staying in a hostel, it was a private room, not dorms. You know we don't do dorms, don't that's do not that. our thing. We've never stayed in a dorm since we started travelling two years ago. I've never stayed in a dorm in my life. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're visiting that town and then we moved up the coast, we took a train up to Albuquerque, which is another Portuguese town right on the coast. And this is where we've been house-sitting for the rest of February. We have already spoken quite a bit about this particular house-sit because we've been here for like a month now. You can go back and listen to past episodes if you do want to catch up, but a couple of the bonuses that we've had, full tank of fuel to drive the dogs to go for their walk, a bunch of food in the house, a couple of cases of beer to tide us over. That You know, they really set us up nicely here, which did help us out with having our cheap month. Yeah, we saved a whole load of money on that. And we've been out quite a few times. This little Portuguese buffet restaurant that's only a five-minute drive from the house, and you get this lunch that's... All you can eat, seafood, amazing fish, there's meats, there's all the sort of tapasy type things. And you, the yeah. important thing is it's all organic, locally sourced produce. Yeah, this is a fancy restaurant. This isn't some really dodgy little hole-in-the-wall place. We like those as well. But, I mean, this is a fancy restaurant. You get a glass of wine included with the, the buffet as well. All for 12 bucks. And coffee at the end. And coffee. So that's just down the road from us. So uh, when we're not buying stuff from the local markets, which, by the way, is so unbelievably cheap, we found this amazing bottle of wine for two euros for the bottle. And if you're buying box wine, it's even cheaper than that. But yeah, fantastic bottle of wine for two euros. That's about $2.50. Amazing. Yeah. And the all quality the local... wine here, it's such, yeah. such good wine. Great wine, cheap prices. The food is so affordable. So, you know, we've been able to stay here at this place, spend very little money while still going out. So yeah, we've been working most days, but of course we take days off, and when we do, we get to go out and do some pretty amazing things. Yeah, rather than just being in the same town that we grew up in for our entire lives, on our days off we get to go and explore a completely new country. Our last day off we went and sat in this restaurant in Abu Farah that had, was overhanging the cliffs, and so we had a view of the cliffs and the beach, and then the sun started going down and the sky was all pinks and oranges, and it was gorgeous. Yeah, we enjoyed a beer sitting watching the sunset for a couple of hours, and then we wandered around the town, we found this little restaurant down a side street where we got the local piri piri chicken. So good. Portuguese speciality, so good. which is amazing. So good. And that was like seven dollars. So good. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you'd gone as a tourist restaurant, that'd have been like 10, 12 euros, but instead we were paying six euros, about seven dollars. So, you know, that's what our days off are like. We have to work. You have to work too if you want to have a travel freedom lifestyle. You're not just traveling forever for free. But when we do take those days off, we're in a different country every month. It's a new, exciting place to so explore. We, yeah. And even if we do come 
come back to the same country, we'll go to a different part of that country. If we come back to Portugal again, we'll probably try and stay in Lisbon or Porto up in the north. So it's, it's always a different experience for our days off. It's not just the same life. It would get boring if we did it for 20 years in the same place, but we're not. It's a different place every month. It's amazing. Yeah. So you've got to ask the question, though, can you actually travel for $7 a day in Europe? Not really. It's, it's a really hard question to answer because a lot of people would say you're not really traveling because traveling is sort of hitting a new destination every day or every week. Moving around, Move, going to attractions. Yeah, following all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's different. It's a different sort of travel. It's slow travel, which is what we do all the time. Anyway, and we are experiencing a new country. We're seeing new things. If you've gone on a one-week vacation to Portugal, the amount of stuff that we've seen this month is probably about the same as the amount of stuff that you would have seen in one week. You've been at the beach some days, you've gone to visit towns the other days. So we're just spreading a one-week vacation over a month, but then our vacation doesn't end because yeah. we're still working whilst doing that, and then the next month we're still working and having a vacation. So, you know, you think about it like you're getting a vacation one week of every month is vacation and the rest of the time you're working. But yeah, we hope in the future that we're not going to be working as hard as we've been working the last couple of months. We've really made an impact with our, our blog and we've had a lot of press, as you'll have heard in the previous episode. So this has been awesome for us. Really, really cool. Yeah, things are going well. So hopefully all of this time and effort that we're putting in right now is going to pay back quite yeah. nicely. And then hopefully we won't be pulling as many days and we'll be having more time traveling and less time working and more money to spend on traveling. Exactly. And, you know, that's, that's what's happening. That's what's happening right now. We are starting to get more money coming into the bank, which we like. Yeah. But our uh, $7 a day month was only possible because of trusted house sitters. If you want to try and beat our $7 record, Give it a go. Give it a go. I say uh, do it. Yeah, try. Let us know if you manage to do it. Yeah. Jump, so jump on the link. Uh, our link for this is $5dollarplant.com slash house and use our discount code to sign up with Trusted House Sitters. The code is 5DP, as in $5 Planet, and you get 15% off. And then maybe you can get a $7 a day month. Give it a go. Maybe you can't. I, I doubt you can. Go on. Dare you. Dare you. Okay, well, as it's Thursday, it's time for Story Corner. Corner. We're in Seoul for this episode. We're not actually in Seoul, but this is where we were. We were in Seoul, so yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're talking about Seoul. We yeah. love Seoul. If I want to introduce this properly, can I get away with doing a Chinese Story Corner accent, or is that racist? You probably might get some complaints about that. Uh, we're just like pushing the boundary every week. The question is, you know, I can do German accents and we don't get complaints, but if I start going to a complete different ethnicity from me, this is when the Maybe. problems start. But you can't do a Korean accent. No. Like, we couldn't even figure out how to say thank you because it's like five syllables. Yeah, I still, I'm still. i not even going to attempt to say thank you in Korean because it was just really we hard. We never got it. We never got the hang of it. Not going to happen. But today we are talking about probably the best accommodation option that we found other than house sitting. Like the most awesome place we've stayed. We it. stayed in a volcanic spa right in downtown Seoul in Itaewon. Now forget about paying $200 a night to stay in a spa. That is not the Korean way. In Korea, staying in spas are actually super affordable. And family friendly. Yeah. The whole family goes and does this. The funny thing is, a lot of the time, if you stay in a spa, you're going to be in a communal sleeping area. But a few of them, they actually have private rooms. And that's what we found in Itaewon which is one of the central districts. It's sort of a bit more of an expat district. There's a lot of foreigners living there, people who teach English, people who work for international companies. This was... room we actually found through Airbnb. Yeah, that's true, Airbnb. Yeah. We have a link for that as well. If you want $25 off your first day with Airbnb, go to $5planet.com slash air, and that'll take you straight up to the link where you can sign up and say, Tom has given you 25 bucks. <laughs> I will, I'll give you $25. Take my money. Take it. Have it for free. But some of the amazing things about staying in a ginger bung is that you get complete access to the spa. So they've got like a gym, 
They've got a 24-hour cafeteria that serves beer. Yeah, 24 hours. 24 hours. 24-hour beer. They've got saunas. They've got spas. And then, of course, they've got the different mineral pools that are all, like, different temperatures. It ranges from, like, 2 degrees up to 40 degrees. Yeah, so you can go from searing pain to unbelievably cold in seconds, which is the plan. That's what they want I used to. to sit around, like, 18, 20 degrees. That was nice. We had a nice double private room upstairs. We had full use of all the facilities. And the only thing that might concern some of you, but you'll have to get used to it is the nudie times. You do have to get naked because that's what they do. You don't get to go into the pools with your swimmers on. You got to take them off and you got to get in naked. We were there for like 10 nights. I think once I saw one white guy who refused to take his shorts off and just went in. And because it's in the more expat district, the Koreans didn't laugh at him. But normally in most jimjabangs, which is the name that they use for these bathhouses, they would actually laugh at you if you went in shorts. Like literally people would start pointing and laughing at you. Yeah. So you are going to get naked. And but it's okay because everyone's doing their own thing. No one's looking at you. Yeah. And even if they do look at you, just remember there's some statistics online about sizes based you on... Can, countries you come from as well. Based on countries you come from, there are certain... Lengths. Lengths. And I am English. And look, that is a different can, length. Just Google it. Google it. I'm not going to get involved in that get, debate. You won't get the exact specifics of Tom's particular length, but you know. Oh, you some can... websites may. No, no. no <laughs> they won't. Do, I need, do you need to tell me something, no, Tom? No, I don't need to tell you anything. <laughs> I specifically don't need to tell so you anything. So look up measuremyschlong.com. <laughs> you'll find Tom's measurements there on hand. Don't look it up. Actually, do look it up. I'm proud. <laughs> That's not a real website, people. <laughs> Maybe it is. I know. I'm Tweet us. people to porn right now. Tweet us at $5 Travel. <laughs> Tweet us if you know if it's, uh, it's a real website. Anyway, so apart from the nudity, which will be uh, compulsory, there was this crazy hot room of death that literally... Oh, that was so hot. Like, it was like walking breathe. into the volcano. Yeah. It was horrid. Like, one minute in there, and you're like, I've got to get out. But then out. you race out, and you go straight into the ice-cold room, which is freezing. It's all like, ooh, hot, cold, hot, cold. And it like it's meant to be really good for your skin. Mm, yeah. And it was cool. It was really enjoyable being able to go to the spa every day, because we did that, and then we had Wi-Fi so we could do some work, and then we'd go out in the evenings and see Hongdae and the other parts of Seoul that we'll yeah. talk about later with our guest Juno. She'll be talking about some places in Seoul, which are awesome. But I think the most important thing that we didn't even mention straight up, because we've been sort of wetting your appetite here, as I said, this was not $200 a night. This place was 27 US dollars a night for two people. Total. Including the spa, including everything. Oh, you didn't included. get free beer, but you could buy a beer for $3, 24 hours. It included your little spa outfit that you yeah. could, you know, changes of clothes, because you have to wear a little spa outfit when you're walking around. Yeah, when you're not in nudie times, you have to wear You'll your see, spa outfit. There's a picture. We'll put a picture on yeah, the show Yeah, we'll put notes. a picture up. So yeah, 30,000 won. That's about 27 US dollars. We negotiated that down because we're like, we're going to stay for 10 nights. And they're like, cool, we'll give you a discount. So that was really good. $27 a night to live in a spa right in the center of Seoul. We were like a five minute walk from a metro stop. It was already a busy district, but that metro stop well took down, you all yeah. over town for yeah. like $1 per ticket. Amazing. So yeah, the links to the show notes so you can find a bit more about this out because we've actually got a full article on this place. It's 5dollarplanet.com slash 013 because this is episode 13. And of course, if you are going to somewhere like South Korea, which is very volcanic, hence all of this volcanic water, then you might consider you want a little bit of insurance because 
if an earthquake happens or something like that, you could be in quite a lot of trouble. There was an earthquake that happened just before we went to the Philippines. Yeah, so like literally just as we were leaving South Korea to go to the Philippines, there was a massive earthquake in the Philippines, and we ended up having to change our itinerary a little bit to get around the fact that we didn't want to go to this place that had been hit by an earthquake. Yeah. Which so was pretty Are you mental. covered for travel delays yeah. and changes due to these sorts of things? Exactly. You've got to change your flights. They're all booked in advance, perhaps. Then mm -hmm. you could have some problems if you're not covered. So yeah, the insurance company we're using is 5dollarplanet.com slash worldnomads. And we reckon they're the best one for all digital nomads. And really, they've sort of got the most inclusions, no matter what sort of travel you're they're doing. Just on it. But specifically, if you're taking electronics with you, if you're doing adventure travel, they've got loads of loads of cover. Check the small print. Don't just take our word for it. When you sign up your policy, check the small print. But we've got a discount code. If you want 5% off your next World Nomads insurance policy, go to $5dollarplanet.com slash worldnomads and use the code WN5DP. And you get 5% off. Awesome. Okay, so coming up right now, we're going to speak to our local expert in Seoul. This is Runaway Juno from runawayjuno.com. Her, no, her name is not Runaway. That's not her first name. No. That's her blog. Juno is her first Juno's name. Juno is her first name. And she's Korean and she grew up in Seoul. So she's got lots to tell us about her hometown. So keep listening. Here's the interview. Why is it that more people should come and visit Seoul and South Korea? Um, yes, the big question. I think Korea is, I mean, it's changing, but Korea has been very underrated destination for many years. And everybody want to go to China and Japan. But Korea has been like, you know, like, oh, if I've been to China and Japan, Korea is probably the same. But it is not true. Korea has a very specific persona personality, <laughs> identity. Seoul has a really good harmony of old and new. It is very diverse in many things, diverse in culture, diverse in nature, and now it's becoming more global because of the history between U.S. Army, and now there's a wide range of job opportunities for foreigners to come and work, in English teachers mm -hmm. especially. So we are becoming more and more a modern city, but at the same time, we are keeping our traditions and old buildings and palaces, the Gyeongbok Palace. If you go, if you enter and if you look back, you will see in the one shot, there's big buildings behind it and there's old palace in front. So you can see the definition of Seoul in that one shot, that we are old and new. And it is very interesting that Korea has 5,000 years of history. Because of that, we can be very conservative and difficult, but that's what makes us beautiful and interesting. There are many things to discover that you might didn't expect. And also, there's great food. Sometimes I can be very snobby for food, especially for Korean food. <laughs> I don't really approve a lot of Korean food that I eat because my mom's such a great cook. Then I don't really eat fish. It comes out in the fillet form because I want to know what kind of fish it is and look at their eye <laughs> to know if they're fresh or not. We wanted to learn about some of the stranger superstitions in South Korea. So we asked Juno about the infamous fan death. On one Halloween, I dressed up as the victim of fan death. <laughs> I've been hearing it my entire life. But as a science person, I know it's not true. I wrote about this fan death actually a few years ago, and I got a lot of questions from people who've been to Korea, especially in summer. They're like, oh, you can't leave in a fan running because you're going to die. Scientifically, I don't think it's possible. No. But it is very widely believed superstition here. If you are fans running and towards your face, and if your window is not open, then you might die. There has been some reports related to this, but usually very, very old person or somebody who's very sick. So they're probably so, ready to kick it anyway. 
One of the big influences that we noticed when we were there was the fact that there is spam everywhere. Yeah. It's a big American influence. When the arm is driving in town or countryside, they throw things back to the village people so people can eat it. So, like, they throw, like, chocolates and spams and sausages, things like that. Yeah. So because we know Americans eat it, so they think spam's really good. So, you know, it's like, oh, it's an exotic foreign thing. It's really good. So, actually, here, when people make things like spam, they make it in a high quality. So like, you think really spam is probably better meat. quality there than it would be in America? Yeah, I, I believe so. It's They make it with a good meat because, you know, Koreans don't like to play with the food because food is such a sacred thing here. We grew up not really wealthy, so we had spam like once in a while. And it's such a special thing. Like, oh, my God, it's a spam. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, we love the fact that it came in gift packs in the supermarket. Give the gift yeah, spam. Yeah, right. it's a very rare occasion that we get to eat spam. South Korean people, they love their food and they love it to be healthy as well. I think food is very sacred and we like to be healthy and we have all these traditions from long, long, long time ago that people making this way, like kimchi, the same way people make it in like 15th century, 16th century, we're still keeping it. If you like food, Korea is definitely a place you want to come and spend more than five days not doing anything but eating. Maybe you could explain for people listening who don't know about kimchi what it is and why the Koreans love it so much. Okay, so kimchi is, I would like to say kimchi is the core of Korean culture and Korean cuisine. And I recently wrote about the experience that I made kimchi with my family that I said, I think like 30% of my body is made with kimchi because I eat so much. (laughs) And it's the same for everybody here. Like sauerkraut, in Germany and Poland, the pickled cabbage, it's a similar, but in kimchi we use the red chili pepper powder, and it is fermented. It's mostly eaten anything between the day you make it to one year or more. The very common thing you see, probably you see from Korean restaurants in foreign countries will be cabbage kimchi, and that's very basic. So, But, you know, there are so many, like, we make it with cucumber, we make it with spring onion, mm. we make it white, like, without chili pepper powder. And we make it with radish. We make it with radish and it's juice. So it's like watery kimchi. And we make it with sesame seed leaves. And like think of any vegetable and, you know, put the kimchi back in, at the end. And, you know, it, there's, that, there are that many kinds of kimchi in Korea. And, of course, it's not just used as a side dish. We've seen it used inside main dishes, inside dumplings, like everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stew with pork, with fish, you know, fried and eat it with tofu. Is there one particular food that someone could get for maybe like less than $5 per serving that you would recommend as like a must try if you come to Korea? I think the easiest and the most popular option would be bibimbap. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you had I'm pretty sure you had it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah, so it's a basically a bowl of rice with a bunch of different things in it. And um, so there's spinach, there's radish, and there's either pork or beef, and there's, like, so many different kinds of vegetables you want to put in it, like zucchini, and there's egg, fried egg on top, and you, you can eat it with um, gochujang, which is a um, fermented red pepper sauce. Oh, yeah. Or without it. We love that oh, stuff. Yeah. So good. And some sesame seed and sesame oil, which is very crucial. And also, you can eat it with the hot pot, like a heated pot, so it made rice, like, crispy, during the time, or you can just eat it in the bowl. So bibimbap would be most popular and the easiest thing to start if you want to try Korean food that is not too spicy or not too 
different than other food, but it is a very Korean thing. You can get it for like 5,000 won for a bowl? Yeah, yeah. In a lot of just local restaurants, yeah, it's pretty easy to get. More $5 food and fun tips are coming from Juno in just a minute, but we're going to take a break and try some Korean food for ourselves. We're at a tiny hole-in-the-wall restaurant called Yago Mandu in the suburb of Itawan. It's uh, all Korean food. They just serve noodles, kimbap, which is a type of sushi roll, and mandu, which is Korean dumplings. All right, let's try out the kimbap first. First time trying Korean sushi. I've been looking forward to this for ages. So it's got egg, ham, tuna. Uh, I think it's cucumber and carrot. Yeah, it really does look pretty similar to a Japanese sushi roll. And you're getting a full-size roll, about 10 pieces of sushi for just under four American dollars. It's still warm and it's fresh. Next up we've got mandu, which is the traditional Korean dumpling. Various fillings are encased in dough and then steamed or fried. These ones look a little bit like wrinkly little testicles, but I'm sure they're going to taste better than that. These eight small wrinkly balls were about four dollars. Time to try it? Hell no! This particular one is loaded with kimchi. True Korean style. It's gone straight in my mouth. And of course, kimchi is a Korean classic. It's a fermented cabbage with chili, and it's pretty much in every single restaurant. You can't avoid eating this if you come to South Korea. How is it? And a nice little spicy at the end, because that's what kimchi does. One of the more curious places we found ourselves whilst in Seoul was at the Toilet Museum. It's strange, it's quirky, but it is actually quite a lot of fun and it's free to get in. We've just arrived at Mr. Toilet's Museum. It's actually raining, a lot of the museum is outside, there is an indoor section as well. Um, but the first thing you see as you walk up the path is this huge mural with these people crouching down with the bums out and some funny cartoon poos with smiley faces. Of course, yeah, because... Uh... Why wouldn't you have cartoon poo at a toilet museum? I think you're going to have to get a bit comfortable with uh, bodily movements in order to enjoy this museum. So Mr. Toilet, also known as Sim Jae-duk, um, is a South Korean guy who started the toilet movement, which has spread all around the world. They now have conferences, they meet up to, to discuss toilet hygiene. Yeah. It's really very unexpected and, and very strange. amusing as it might be, and the butt of many jokes, uh, uh, it is actually for a really important thing. He started this museum, and well, this whole toilet movement, in order to make sure that the people of South Korea all have access to clean toilets. So there's a serious thing behind the comedy which ensues here at Mr. Toilet's house, which is shaped like a giant white toilet. So the main museum is inside the building, right in front of us, and uh, you can't tell quite as easily from the ground, but when you take a look at the aerial shots, it is it just is this toilet. giant toilet. You can actually take a look on Google Maps and zoom in and you will see this giant toilet, which is what we did before we came down here. Walking around the gardens, They've got sort of statues to various functions of the body. It's, it's like the history of the toilet. Yeah. And people actively using the toilets. Not real people, statues of people using the toilets in their various forms throughout the years. Yeah, so we've got, there's a historic toilet over here on my left. It's this stone house built above a pig pen and you crap straight down the hole and it goes straight to the pigs. So gross. And they can, <laughs> the pigs can just go in and eat the feces, um, and that's a good way of recycling. That's, I mean, that's the educational side of it, but there is also the more amusing side of it. So uh, just a little further on here, we've got this boy crouching down with the most painful look on his face. <laughs> it's just 
grimacing with pooing pain. And um, <laughs> from his posterior is emerging the, a golden turd. A golden turd. Hanging, hanging from his bottom. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's graphic. There is no sort of let's hide behind innuendo and euphemisms here. Yeah. It is just here's the poo. Crapping statues. Yeah, lots of them. And you can even take your own turn and pose in some of the various areas. <laughs> it's all a bit of fun. It's all a bit of fun. They have got an educational purpose behind it as well, but it's supposed to be silly. It's supposed to be funny, and you take photos and you laugh, and you know, because everybody poos. So come on. <laughs> yeah. It's not that serious a thing. Um, and it's free as well. It's free to come down here. You can get the blue line from the center of Seoul and take maybe about 40 minutes to come down on the train. Yeah, so it's only about $2 on the train to get yeah. here. Yeah, so it's a reasonable sort of local priced train ride. And then free entry once you get to the toilet museum. Time to get back to our interview with Runaway Juno. Next up, we asked Juno about some of the fun things to do in Seoul for under $5, but we can't seem to get off the subject of food. Yeah, so I think the first thing you have to do is eat street food. Korea is but, about food! <laughs> yeah, but it is just, you know, I cannot not mention it. It's just so great. And there's so many street food, and it changes each season. Mm. No, there's hot food, there's cold food, and, you know, and there's four-season food, which is tteokbokki, the everybody's favorite, like um, stir-fried rice cake with red pepper sauce and vegetables. And Where's the best place in Seoul to go for street food? Where's got the best vibe? I can recommend a few places. I mean, basically any neighborhood is great, but there are very extended stalls in Jongno, which is near City Hall. The whole street of Jongno has so many different kinds of stalls that sells so many different kinds. And also Hongdae, which is what we call for Hongdae University. So right, right in front of Hongdae University, there's big area, really popular area for cafes and pubs and foods and everything, but they have so many street foods too. So that area, Jungno, I can recommend. Uh, another great thing about to, um, city of uh, Seoul that we can do under $5 is exploring the city by public transportation. Our metro goes really far and our buses go really far and you can reach even out of Seoul by public transportation under 2001, one way. You know, there are so many mountains to go to in the city or out of the city. Even if you ride the metro and buses all day long, it would be 5,000 won because we have a really good discount system. Is there sort of any attractions or anything that maybe is a little bit lesser known that's sort of under 5,000 won that people could go and see? I want to tell them to check out the mountains here mm. because there's a lot of mountains in Seoul. People think Seoul is a concrete jungle, that there's nothing but big city. But actually, if you come here and if, if you go a little bit high in the hill and look down, you can see there's a lot of mountains and hills and forests. We have a really big population of hikers here. Because if you go any mountain in Saturday or Sunday, it will be packed. It will be so busy. There's so many people. So we have a lot of population that are enjoying, like, you know, light walking and hiking. So there's a lot of mountains here. Bukhansan, which is in the north. Cheonggyesan in the south, and there's Namasan in the middle. They don't charge any entrance fee or anything. The going hiking is, is highly recommended, especially if you're coming in spring or autumn. It's a, the best season to go to mountains. All you know about Seoul, some, some people know about Seoul you know, from Gangnam style. They think that's Seoul. My Seoul is very different than this image of people have right now. 
because it is very modern city and it is very big metropolitan area. But the great thing about Seoul is that we have all these traditions and history, and also we have this modern things like we have the fastest Wi-Fi in the world, we have the greatest public transportation systems, and we have high rises and so many things, and we make cars and but we also have very real people that living in a very rugged traditional markets. That is my soul that I like to go visit traditional markets still. And my mom still shops there. We don't go to supermarkets. Even even though the soul has been changed so much since I was a kid, the traditional things are still here, and I like to st- I still like to visit. So, so I mean, if somebody wanted to visit one of these neighborhoods and just walk around uh, there's somewhere with traditional buildings people can go and look at, um, you know, where would you suggest? Like Hangok Palace and Doksuk Palace. So those palaces are good to look at, like, 15th, 16th centuries of Korea. But if you want to experience a more modern, meaning like, you know, 1980s and 70s style yeah. of Seoul, there's a big tourist market in Namdaemun, which is a Min's South Gate. So it, it's a metro station. So if you get off the South Gate then you'll see the big market. But now it turns into a very tourist market, but it's basically what our market used to be. Like open market, you haggle the price, mm. and it has everything in the market, like everything. As a photographer in Seoul, what do you love most about going around with your camera there? I like this cityscape with the mountain backdrop. Being a photographer in Seoul, you have four seasons. Spring, we have so many flowers. Anything between yellow, pink and orange and red and anything, any color. So because we have a lot of mountains, there's a lot of flowers. So in spring, there's flowers and fresh buds and it's pretty with the flowers. But in summer, it's blue, it's green, it's shiny. Um, in the autumn, we have foliage. The mountains are beautiful. It's like mountains on fire. And winter, we have a lot of snow. So if you like snow-capped buildings and mountains, winter's great. And because we see them changes, people changes, and their fashion changes, the food's changing, the scenery in the city's changing. So you see a lot of variation. And what sort of food do you get served during the winter? What's the difference? So in the winter, our popular food is hot dog. It's um, sort of pressed pancake, like a sticky rice dough pancake. And in the middle, there's grounded walnut or peanut with sugar or honey, and some sesame seed. So it's a sweet and hot, gooey. We get a lot of snow. People are standing out on the street selling food in that sort of weather and all day? Yeah, yeah, of course. Wow. Finally, Juno tells us a little bit about her blog and where you can catch up with her travels online. I publish my photography and writing at runawayjuno.com and I write a lot about my personal life, meaning life lessons I learned and what it's like to be out there as a Korean woman which is very different than a lot of people who are reading my blog. So they find it interesting, and I like to be. And because of that, I formed the AWE community, Asian Women's Empowerment. So I like to spread the word that you can follow your dreams and you can have both worlds. So as Hannah Montana said, you can be the best of both worlds. So, <laughs> um, so visit... <laughs> yeah, visit me at runawayjuno.com and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at runawayjuno and email me anytime at juno at runawayjuno.com and I'm very easy to find, so talk to me and say hi. 
Well, we're at the end of the episode, so you know what time it is. It's time for your travel homework. Get your pen and paper ready. Get ready to write this down. So, would you stay in a naked spa like we did in Seoul? I can't. I, yes, I want to go back. Yeah, yeah, I certainly would. I don't care that it was nudity. We weren't naked all the time, only in the baths. But uh, if so, we'd like you to write us a poem, limerick or haiku about nudity and send it to info at fivedollarplanet.com. This is the most random travel homework we will ever set. Possibly. I don't guarantee anything. <laughs> but if we get funny ones, we'll totally read them out in future episodes. Doesn't have to be a long poem. As I said, haiku will do it. So really, no proper travel homework this week. Everyone needs a vacation once in a while and we're giving you a travel homework vacation. Just write us a silly poem or do nothing at all. We don't care. Look at travel on the internet. Just look at travel yeah, and Yeah, go get inspired. some wanderlust. Or listen to other episodes of The Five Dollar Planet. More homework, real homework, next Monday. Thanks for listening to the $5 Planet Travel Podcast. Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at $5planet.com. So join us again for Money Mondays to learn how to supercharge your online income. Or for Travel Thursdays, we will help you travel like a prince on a pauper's budget. We are waiting for your comments, feedback, and $5 travel tips. So tweet us at $5 Travel with the number 5. Or email info at $5planet.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Megzy. Catch us again on Mondays and Thursdays on the $5 Planet. Bye for now. Bye-bye.